And I'm going to be taking a little bit of a respite today from the Gospel of John because I do want to preach a Thanksgiving message today. So bear with me as I do that. And it's entitled Thanksgiving in the Dry Times. There are days when it's easy to be thankful, right? Uh, There are days when praise flows freely. But there are other times when it is not quite so easy to be thankful. Other times when thanksgiving and praise are not so easy. Uh, Other days when the difficulties of life crowd out our thankful spirits. How do we become thankful even when it's tough? How do we express praise even when it's less than easy? An Old Testament prophet teaches us how. His name was Habakkuk. Now, I know you're going to struggle to find Habakkuk. And I will help you as best I can. It's uh, Turn to it if you would. It's between Nahum and Zephaniah. <laughs> See, I've given you a little bit of a hint there as you can find it. But as you look, because it's going to take some of you about 10 minutes to find it. Let me tell you a couple of stories about being thankful in the dry times. One of my favorite is a story about a woman named Corey Ten Boone, Dutch. She and her family, the Ten Boone family, hid Jews during World War II from the Nazis in the Netherlands. They had prayer meetings at their house. They would hide these Jews and and they had the Gestapo come in and try to find them. But eventually she and her sister and 28 other family members were eventually arrested. Nephews and nieces. If you just even knew the Ten Boone family, you got arrested. She and her sister were sent to a number of prisoner of war camps. They ended up in the overcrowded and flea-infested Ravensbrook concentration camp where Betsy, the older sister, would later die. Corey Ten Boone was released, and you've probably heard her speak. She spoke at a number of Billy Graham crusades. But during their time at Ravensbrook, They were in the barracks one day and they were reading out of 1 Thessalonians 5, which our Sunday school class used this morning as our primary text, where it says rejoice in everything. Well, Betsy and uh, Corey were were studying and uh, Betsy said, I want you to stop and thank God for everything in this place, the good and the bad. Corey, the younger sister, fussed about that, didn't want to do it could not bring herself to be thankful for even the bad things, such as the fleas that infested the barracks. But the older, more mature sister, Betsy, was insistent. You thank God even for the fleas. So Corey, not happily, but she even thanked God for the fleas. It was later that they realized the reason they were able to study the Word of God and pray And have such uninterrupted time was because the prison guards would not go into that barracks. Because of the fleas. How can you be thankful even in the dry time? 
How is it possible to be thankful for even the bad things? One of my favorite commentators of yesteryear was a man, you've, many of you have heard his name, Matthew Henry. One of the great Bible commentators of all time to help explain difficult passages. He wrote in his journal these words once because he had just been robbed. Someone accosted him and robbed him of what he had on him. And he wrote this in his journal. I like it. He said, God, let me be thankful for these reasons. First of all, because I've never been robbed before. Second, he said, because they did not take my life. Third, because they took even though they took everything I had, it wasn't much. And fourth, listen to this. I'm thankful that it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. What a mature spirit. What an attitude attitude of thanksgiving and gratitude. I'm thankful that it was I who was robbed and not I who did the robbing. Wow. How can we be thankful even in the dry time? There are some of you that are going through a dry time, a difficult time. I said Wednesday night, our church is small. We have far more people come than are even members at this point, but that's okay. But even though we're small, I've seen Satan attacks so many people, particularly with physical issues. I mean, just many of you are struggling. We know what it is to be in a dry time, don't we? If you haven't been there, you will be there at some point. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Did not Jesus say in John 16, we'll study that in a few weeks? In this world, you will have tribulation. It's going to happen. How can you be thankful in the dry time? Habakkuk learned that lesson, and he shares it with us in a powerful way today. So look with me to Habakkuk chapter 3, just three verses this morning, just three small verses. At the end of the book of Habakkuk, he says, Though the fig tree does not bud or blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, Though the labor of the olive tree may fail, the crops produce no food. Though there be no sheep in the fold, no cattle in the stalls, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And then look at that last part. Well, I'll read verse 19. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. How can you be thankful in the dry time? How can you be singing praise even in the difficult times of life? Habakkuk was going through a difficult time. If you know anything about his situation, he lived six centuries before Christ. The Chaldeans were the uh, people of power in that day. And they were people of violence. And he was living in a day of apostasy and intolerance. As someone said, ministerially, he was much like Job. 
But just like Moses heard from God in the burning bush, just like Isaiah heard from God in the temple, God spoke a word to and through Habakkuk that I think will minister to us today. He used some phrases with which they would be quite familiar. He used the agricultural phrases that they would understand well because the fig tree represented prosperity. The grapes represented blessing. And of course, the yield from the crop um, represented prosperity. And when there was no food, the people starved. When there were no sheep in the pens, there was no meat. Perhaps you say, well, in my life right now, the grapevines are empty. Right now, there are no sheep in the stalls. Right now, I'm going through a difficult time. Well, what did Habakkuk do to have Thanksgiving in the dry time? Well, first of all, there was a need for appropriate focus. There was a need for appropriate focus. And what did he focus on? Well, he pointed out that we cannot focus on the difficulties or we'll become dry. You've got to focus on something other than the troubles of the day. And that's hard when they stare you in the face. And I understand that. But in verse 16, he says, if you focus on the despair and the trouble, you'll focus in the wrong place. And so he's telling us there in the first part of verse 18, I will rejoice in the Lord. And rejoice means to exalt. It means to lift high the Lord. And so when you look up, you're not focusing down on the difficulties of this life. You know, if we focus on the battle, we'll never see the end of the war. If we focus on the trouble, we'll never see the summit, the mountain of victory. And he says, don't lose sight. Don't lose sight, but keep your eyes focused. Where? On the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. Can we do that? Uh, our small staff, Brother Tim and Brother Kevin, uh, we're always looking at videos we want to show you. And I actually saw one on my own, but they pointed it out too, by an uh, athlete. And I, I'm not much of a sports fan. I'm becoming more of a sports fan the older I get. I, I like professional football, but some things bore me to tears like baseball and other things. But anyway, my grandsons love baseball, so I'm learning to be okay with it. But anyway, Nick Foles is a, you know who I'm talking about? Listen to this testimony. This boy was injured. Watch this. I hope you can see it pretty good. Listen to this testimony. You're a football player. You're watching this young kid go out. It's Minchie Mania is going crazy. I know you're a man of faith, and I know you're trying, but you're also human. I mean, ever any doubts coming up in your mind as you go through that? No, that's where, you know, right when this, right when I felt this thing break and I was going into the locker room, I just realized, you know, I just realized, God, this wasn't exactly what I was thinking when I came to Jacksonville. Obviously, you come here and you want to create a culture and impact people. But at the end of the day, as I got it, this is the journey you want me to go on. I'm going to glorify you in every action, um, good or bad. And, you know, I still could have joy in an injury. Um, and that, that's people hear that and say, that's crazy. But it's like when you believe in Jesus and you, you go out there and you play and that's, that changes your heart. And you only understand it when, you know, that purpose in your life, just like when I hoisted the Lombardi trophy. The reason I'm smiling is my faith was in Christ in that moment. I realized I didn't need that trophy to define who I was because it was already in Christ. And that's my message when I play. Same thing happens when I get injured. 
we tend to make this so much about us as human beings. We tend to make it about us as athletes. It's not about us. It really isn't. And if you make it about yourself, you're probably going to go home at night, lay your head on your pillow, and be very alone and very sad. And then hopefully someday you can find that purpose in your life. Because my purpose isn't football, it's impacting people. And I, my, my ministry happens to be the locker room. And I've been able still to get to know people, get to know these guys through an injury. Though I might not be playing, that is difficult from a fleshly perspective. But from the spiritual perspective, from my heart, I've been able to grow as a human being to where I feel like I'm at a better situation here as a person than I was before because of the trial I just went under. And I know that's a sermon in itself, but... That's how I go through life, and the good Lord's been there to, you know, it's not always about prosperity. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I believe if you read the Word of God and you understand it, there's trials along the way, but they equip your heart to be who you are. So um, when I step on the field, I'm going against a man and Frank Wright. How about that testimony? I know you couldn't hear it well, but I hope you heard enough to what he was saying. My identity's in Christ. And even if I'm injured and he was badly injured, his focus is on Christ. He said, my job is not to play ball, it's to impact people. What a testimony of a young man. I'd like to meet him someday. Because he understands how to be thankful in the dry time. He, when he wins the big Super Bowl, he gives glory to God. When he gets injured and is on the sideline, he gives glory to God. You see, there's a need for appropriate focus in our lives. Where are you looking? What are you looking at? We can focus on us and our troubles and our failures. We can focus on the one who loves us more than anything. There's a need for appropriate focus. Where are you looking? Where is your sight? Second, there's a need to remember your Savior. I love this. The latter part of verse 18, he says, I will be joyful in God my Savior. I'll be joyful. Joyful means to encircle. And so he's saying here, can you imagine him saying, I'm surrounding the salvation of God and the salvation of God is surrounding me. I like that. He said, I will rejoice in God my Savior. I'll rejoice. Now, I told you last week, I've seen some of you get real excited at ball games. You know, and if you really want to get me excited, I mean, watch me, watch my Dallas Cowboys. Yes, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. I have been my whole life. Don't say boo. Now, my, one of my son-in-laws, I don't know his name, he calls them the Cowgirls. Can you imagine that? And I call his team the Deadskins. Because believe me, this season they have been dead in every way. I can get excited watching the Cowboys. I can get excited watching a few college teams. I'm not going to go into that. But you know, we get excited about the Lord. We're called fanatics. Let me tell you, we need more fanatics in this world. We need more fanatics. Jesus said in John 15, we'll get to that in a few weeks. He said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. God wants us to have a rejoicing in Him. Yes, we need a new focus, but we need to rejoice in God, our Savior. Habakkuk learned how to be thankful in the dry time by focusing on God, his Savior. Let me teach you a little Hebrew. You know what the word for Savior is there? Now, let me just tell you up front, there is no J in Hebrew at all. In many of the words that we would pronounce J, they use a Y, a cognate of Y. The word for Savior here is Yesa, Y or J-E-S-A. 
You know where I'm going with this? It's the, where we get the word Joshua in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, it's the Greek Jesus. And it means one who saves. One who brings salvation. So the God my Yesa is Jesus. God my Savior, the one who saves. You want to know what Jesus means? He is our salvation. And so Habakkuk said, you want to know how to deal with the dry times when the grapes quit producing and there's no sheep in the stalls and the cattle are gone? Rejoice in God, Yeshua, our Savior. We need to focus on Him. Oh, my friends, we need to remember Him. Isn't that what John taught us, John the baptizer, when we were studying in the first part of John, the gospel, when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Salvation. What a glorious, glorious focus that we should have, even in the dry time. That's why God could say in Psalm 43, 5, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Oh, friends, focus on him. And then last, there's the need to rely on the Lord for daily strength. Look at verse 19, such a powerful passage. Habakkuk saw God at his strength. The word strength there means firm. It means durable. It means strong. It is that which enables us to run like a deer and climb. Indeed, that's what he was saying in Isaiah 40, 31, the more famous of the passages, which says, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and faint not. But Habakkuk says, Makes my fear like the feet of a deer, enables me to go to the heights. Many people today live in a time of self-sufficiency and self-focus. We're in the most self focused generation that's ever lived. Our children and our grandchildren are increasingly self-focused. You know why? We taught them to be that way. But you know, it's not about them. It's about the Lord. And it's not about you and it's not about me. It is about the Lord. And we must focus on Him. Some years ago I read some words from Shirley MacLaine who was one of my favorite actors. But here in her deluded, self-centered philosophy, she said, the most pleasurable journey you can take is inside yourself. The only sustaining love involvement is with yourself. Oh, Miss McLean, you are wrong. You are wrong. Habakkuk said, I'll rejoice in God my Savior. I will focus on Him. I will be joyful in God my Savior. I will rejoice in the Lord. We must disregard our ways of self-sufficiency. We must let go of our stoicism and our focus upon ourselves and focus on Him. Would you rely on the Lord's strength today? Would you say like I can say today, I cannot make it on my own. I need to focus somewhere else. And that focus is in the Lord, my Savior. And He will never let me down. I can't make it on my own, Lord. I can't.
We can't. But you are the one to whom we focus and look. Then we can be thankful. Even in the dry time. Thankful. Are you? Oh, I pray that you are. Would you pray with me right now, please? Father God, in Jesus' name, I come. I pray, Lord, that we would reject self-sufficiency, self-focus, and look to you. We rejoice in you. We focus on you. Lord God, right now, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place. This would be a time of recognition of who you are and a recognition of who we are. Lord, right now, I pray for your hand, your hand of encouragement. I pray for your hand of refocus upon each one of us. Lord, there may be somebody in this place today that does not know you as Savior. They know who you are, but they've never said yes to you in salvation. I pray that today would be the day of salvation. God, for many of us, we need to have a recommitment to refocus who we are on you and not on us. God, I need to do that too. So, Father God, I pray right now for every person in this place that this would be a moment of reflection and refocus on you. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.